Hey guys, welcome to the debrief after our episode with Punk6529. David, do you know your CryptoPunk number? Uh, Punk1118, brother. 1118. Okay, yeah. so you do know it. Yeah. Uh, do you know your social security number? Yeah. You don't but, have to but, say it. But I have to think about it. I have to say it in my head a few times. But like, yes, that is the right one. So I which know is, my... Which is more important to you? Well... I feel like if I forgot my if I forgot my social security it's not written down anywhere. So if I forgot my social security number, it'd be over. <laughs> <laughs> so your social security number first. So there has yeah. been a flippening. There has not been a flipping. Uh, my punk number is not, not yet more important than my social security number. Although my punk is just one of my NFTs. It's just one of well, my that's, digital tattoos. Well, that's what's interesting. I mean, so um, you can have multiple identities online. But I, I almost get to like, you know, the, the concept we've talked about so many times of Dunbar's laws, your Dunbar's number, and that you can only have, you know, a maximum number of social relationships, humans, beings that you can actually know at a time. What is Dunbar's number? Is it like 150 or something like this? Yeah, 150, 150 relationships. 150 relationships that you can actively manage. How many online identities do you think you can actively manage? Like one person. It's like, to me, it's nowhere close to 150. I guess like what I'm saying is like, I mean, imagine how exhausting it would be to manage like three different identities, Mm -hmm. let alone like 12. So you have to, you have to go all like you have to, um, you can't, you can't split your time across too many identities. At least that's my take. But it seems like punk, uh, 6529 is at least splitting his identity in, in this in this in this nft and Mm -hmm. sort of accruing reputational state to this specific nft i kind of wonder if he has other nfts non-line personas out there or if it's just like that in real life and those are the two that he can really manage i think it's got to be that way for most people i mean you can't manage that many identities can you yeah i can't imagine he's got like another alt that he also has it's got to be just this way he just has his pseudonymous character appended it uses the 6529 uh, CryptoPunk as the face for it. But it's not like he has like an MF or 1453 that he also has an account for. No, it's just, it's just this one. Yeah. So who is this guy? So like you and I don't know. I know he is, um, he's pseudonymous online. Mm-hmm. Like people do know who he is. Yeah, I know who he uh, is. Like a reasonably decent set of kind of mm-hmm. you know, friends, fellow investors know who this person is in real life. David and I don't. Although David, no, I'm, no, I do. I'm sure we could. You do. Yeah, I've been past his details. I do. Yeah, I do. Okay. Know. Well, then don't tell me anything. Yeah. So I'm not. A um, I was going to say I feel like I could find out fairly easily who he is, and it sounds like if I you, could just if you were ask really you. motivated to, yeah, yeah, you could call in so, a favor and ask someone to tell you. Yeah. This is a different type of pseudonymous account than like a Plenia, mm-hmm. which like like Plenia, whom we've brought on the podcast. Um, I'm not aware of anyone who knows who Plenty is. Although they, they have got it locked, fairly locked, much more. Yeah. Although Plenty will say there are some people who know kind of who they are well, yeah. in real life. I think there are. Yeah, like his their friends. Yeah, sure. But they also know that um, Plenty is Plenty as well. I mean, like there there are people. It's not kind of complete. Like it's um, it's interesting, I guess. Punk six uh, fives use case for pseudonym anonymity is it's not like um it seems mostly motivated by the experiment of the thing how can i create a separate brand mm-hmm. on from the brand that i've already had and tie this to a, a non-fungible token on chain and accrue state to it it seems mostly about the experiment 
that like more of that than like for opsec reasons or for um you know like, like fear of nation state reprisal reasons or that sort of thing which is a different use case but i think is interesting yeah i don't know I- I feel like this is okay to say. I'm looking at Punk6529's other Twitter account. It's not, like, vacant. Uh, they have not tweeted in a long, t- in a long time, but they have a decent number of followers. So it, there was a very clear moment in time where, like, this human decided to not represent themselves on Twitter with the human and then, then chose to go all in on digi- uh, physical, or excuse me, digital only. There's like um, a there's like a Bruce Wayne and Batman type thing element to it, right? Yeah. Of like well, so, you're doing okay, some activities. some people in the space do go back and forth between a public all a public like their face, their known identity Twitter account, and then a, also an, an actual non. Yeah. But I um, never really have noticed no, known any one of them to really emphasize one or the other, or not not emphasize one or the other. Everyone kind of picks one. Do you think that, um, I mean, you and I have obviously gone to get, like, in real. I mean, this mm. is really who we are. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I do not have time for an alt. Neither do you. I, I don't have time for an alt either. Mm. And I, I don't feel like there's enough for to justify The ROIs are so it. low. For right, us. Like, for us. Well, because we're podcasters and right. we have to, you know, our right. you know, faces public yeah. and the ability to kind of go on stage and meet people and talk or show up at conferences or... Um, yeah, it's it's uh, I've I've not seen the ROI in it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess he's he's kind of spun off a successful, very successful brand in that he invests under the pseudonym all the mm-hmm. time, kind of brands his projects under the pseudonym. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. You ca- you kind of have to wonder if he would have been successful if he used his real life nation state identity uh, versus this. If there's some sort of upside in him using kind of a crypto punk mm-hmm. identity in order to prove legitimacy for the, for the project and the things that he's working on. I don't think it can like be like a easy cakewalk because you're choosing a digital identity. But one of the powerful things about like a, a, an Ethereum address, right. Or just a crypto address is like your physical identity doesn't matter. Like male, female, black, white, like gay, straight, like all of those details become completely irrelevant so to whatever degree that you might have felt judged by your physical properties, like the NFT, the, or you just pick an NFT and it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh-huh. I, think it's, I think it's hard to do some things pseudonymously. Like one small thing is um, the voice distorter kind of sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, voice distorter. Yeah, but that's, that's temporary though, right? It's that's just temporary, temporary technology. But yes, but, but even now it's just like, um, wow, you lose a lot of the human tone and mm. like cadence and right. you just the 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 natural tenor of a real human's voice mm-hmm. is much more melodic than whatever it's kind of played through he's got some sort of hardware apparatus that just dis- distorted his voice on the other side and um yeah. it's harder to listen to to be honest yeah i guess yeah, that's there was one time where uh i had i had uh this is during DeFi summer remember based the based ghouls Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. I, had, I had them on for a show, but they all wanted to be anonymous, so they all had voice modifiers, and like the quality was so bad. At the end of this, I was like, guys, like this, I'm not putting this out. This is shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, stuff like that is just mm-hmm. hard to hard to navigate around. But okay, what what was your take on from a content perspective on the things that mm-hmm. he was saying? Do you have any takeaways? Yeah, from this? we didn't dive into it 
um, holy, but the whole idea of just like, and I, I've been shifting my perspective on this a lot. Like the original question, which I think is this, the left brain question, the left side of the curve question to ask, which is like, did you really need to do an NFT for that thing? Um, I remember like teasing people as like back about tokens way back when, where people were like, do you really need a token for that thing? And then it flips at some point in the market, it just flips and it's like, well, do you not need a token for that? For ERC twenty tokens, have a token. <laughs> why? Well, for ERC twenty tokens, you might still need to justify it. For NFTs, there's literally no reason why you can't also mint an NFT. Like, why the f not? It's if like the a PO app is like the smallest, lowest cost, extra little thing that you can do. That is literally why not? It's like uh, we're doing NFTs for podcasts, and people love them. And so, like, the cost to do anything as an NFT, the cost to mint an NFT, the reasons to mint an NFT are going to become so low that NFTs are just going to absolutely, like, explode in just its total supply. And All so, right, like, we'll the, the whole idea of, like, a digital commerce on the internet, trillions of dollars flow through the internet, like, I'm assuming every single week or month or something. And now you just, like, and now there's also NFTs in there, too. Like, the proximity to dollar flow is so strong that you almost don't really need a good reason to do it. Well, do you buy this argument? So um, he said NFTs will be bigger than DeFi. It's the biggest use case in crypto, maybe like bigger than Bitcoin or something. In in some roundabout way, he seemed to indicate it was also like bigger than Ethereum. Although yeah, what's interesting about it, that yeah. is like, I feel like platforms like Ethereum need to be bigger by necessity because they right. are the property rights settlement layer of right. NFTs. But let's just take the use case of NFTs yeah, and the value of NFTs. Toxic with that, yeah. yeah, it could be the bigger, big, bigger than the value of ETH. He said um, $70 trillion of intangibles on corporate balance sheets, right? Um, and then he said, think about all of the intangibles that aren't even on balance sheets. So this is some sort of mimetic expression that exists in the real world that is not currently captured. And he's like, just think about the size of that. That's much bigger than US dollar fiat, fiat system M0 and M1 combined, for example. This is like stuff we haven't even thought of. Hundreds of trillions of dollars is, is what he's saying. Um, do you buy that? Do you think that we're, we are going to be able to like socially, mimetically express our, ourselves in digital form using this asset class of the NFT that NFTs could be worth hundreds of trillions of dollars and are even bigger than other crypto use cases that we've unlocked? What do you think? 100%. Yeah. Uh, absolutely just like people i I think the this is why he's focused on um the metaverse as a subject matter so much think of like the metaverse as like the other half of the world as in you have the physical world and then you have like the online world and then the physical world you have all these objects right i've got this disco ball i've got this hat behind me i've got some plants these are all objects that i've purchased or received or been gifted or transferred from to me somehow that are just non non fungible. That means they're unique. Is all they mean? They're exactly. It's just objects. They're just objects, and they're they're objects in my apartment. The metaverse will also have the same supply of objects, except that it's actually boundless in the metaverse because it's di- digital. Like just from first principles, the concept of a digital object is now possible, and so that's why I'm saying like turn everything into an NFT. Because like I w- everyone wants to own that thing, and so this is p- this is a part of the podcast we didn't get to. Just like there's a part of humans' brains that we just want to own shit. 
Like everyone's story of like getting into NFTs and he told this story too. is like, yeah, I didn't really get it, but I went on to OpenSea <laughs> and then I bought an NFT and then yeah. I bought another one yeah. and then I bought another one Stupid, and then I bought it? another one. And then yeah. I all of a sudden I had like eight NFTs like, dude, you're just buying stuff at a flea market, man. Like yeah. your people just want to own things. And so this metaverse is going to get populated by these digital objects a lot of them are going to be trash, but trash is an object too. And <laughs> you're just going to populate this digital world with digital objects and you're not going to need a reason to. They're just going to become, they're going to manifest into this metaverse and people are going to like, hey, do you want to buy this? And most of it's going to be trash or people are going to be like, no, but people are going to continue to mint NFTs until they're not trash anymore. And then all of a sudden we have this why digital NFTs? world. Why not Why not centrally, like, like you can have an object, uh, an item in World of Warcraft, an item in a game, an item- why, why why on permissioned rails rather than permissionless rails? Yeah, why NFTs or, is yeah because like because permissionless commerce is is bigger than permissioned commerce. It's because anyone can anyone can mention NFT at any time. An individual can own the thing. That's what's yeah. different about it. Yeah, yeah. independent of some sort it, of central yeah. ownership. The the object is not an object unless it's on public rails. It has to, the objects have to collide with other things. Well, you if it's just contrast... an object in, inside of like World of Warcraft, it's not an object. Okay, so uh, so face Meta is unable to produce NFTs, right? Is that what that's what that dude? That's why I've called Flow NFTs fraudulent NFTs before. Are they or are they just NFTs with like poor settlement uh, assurances uh, guarantees? Sure, it's not binary; it's a spectrum, but more fraudulent NFTs. Yeah, yeah fraudulent because um, they have to settle on a public blockchain. They have to settle. Do you think they have to settle on a public blockchain in order to be? Yeah, I, I, NFTs. Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, there's that point. So he thinks that NFTs are going to be larger. Um, he also thinks that they're going to be larger because they'll face fewer regulatory headwinds. Yeah. Uh, do you do you buy that into that as well? Yeah, just consumer goods. He's basically like, um, no regulatory apparatus has an axe to grind against NFTs. Yeah. Which yeah, is different yeah. than DeFi right. and different than kind of the quote unquote money use case. Like, babies can't choke on them. The <laughs> FDA doesn't need to regulate them. They're it's not going to get new. anyone sick. Yeah, Gensler yeah. does not want to regulate. Uh, right. It seems like he wants to regulate everything. He does not want yeah. to regulate your game items or your Fortnite uh -huh. skins. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Right. So, so like if I had a, like, I just want to go back to this like concept of like the reasons to mint an NFT are so low to get over that a thousand NFTs are going to be birth per person per day. So like, say I have this JPEG and I have like, and I just say, Hey Ryan, do you want to buy this JPEG of, from me? And I'm, and you're like, no, because what am I buying? You're just going to send me this JPEG. That's not an object, but now I turn it into an NFT and now it's an object. And now I'm like, Hey Ryan, do you want to buy this object from me? And some part in your brain is like going back to Luke Burgess's like, Oh, am I the only one ca that can have it at one particular right. time? Yes. I don't even know if I want oh, that object. Then I'm David in. has that object yeah. and I could have that object. And so I guess I want it. And so I'll buy it. Like the thought, the human nature of this thing is like, so basement level that like, just turn off your brain. One of the lines that he gave in the Ralph Paul podcast was that like, I know NFTs were going to be a thing when I showed somebody OpenSea and I didn't tell them about Ethereum and I didn't tell them about Ether and I didn't tell them about tokens and I just pointed to OpenSea, an NFT on OpenSea. And I was like, hey, do you want to buy that? I'll buy that for you. And they were like, yeah, buy that for me. I want it. <laughs> and they went through OpenSea. I was like, oh, I want that one too. Add that to the cart and press checkout. And they don't, they're not asking about what is Ether? What am I using? They're just like, I want that. I want to buy that. And so like people need to stop, you need to overthink, stop overthinking about like, do you really need to turn that into an NFT? It's like, why, why not?
Why not? Yeah, that that was his other point about why he's more bullish in NFTs than anything else in crypto is because we've made the point that the surface area is so much bigger mm-hmm. and the learning curve is so much smaller and um, people don't have to know, learn anything right. other than the basic level human, you know, almost inborn um, desire to have something that they don't are that they don't have right now, and that, like they don't need to know learn about DeFi. They don't need to learn about like anything. Basically, they just need to learn how to get something and click a button in order to do that. And uh, I think I've seen. I probably wouldn't have believed that argument in 2020. Um, but then I saw what happened in 2021 and just the rate at which NFTs propagated socially. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, there were a lot of scams, pump and dumps, silliness. It's an unre- that's an unrelated sidecar. It's an unrelated sidecar. Just the speed at which this propagated, I've never seen anything like it in crypto. For all of the kind of the, you know, Bitcoin's going to take over the world. Isn't <laughs> DeFi amazing? I mean, we didn't accomplish what NFTs did in, in a, a year. In a quarter like, of the time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get on Fallon, did we? No one's ever no. going to talk about Uniswap on Jimmy Fallon, right? And like right. NFTs did. And so will that happen again? Will that happen in a bigger, different way? Absolutely. I think he's right. Yeah. Um, well, I guess there's a the question then of how do you get investment exposure to this asset class, sir? How can you sell you sell the picks and shovels? You sell the things that they need to transact, which is block space. You sell block space. I mean, this is the reason I'm bullish block space, right? Um, always, always bullish block space. Yeah, that is the commodity investment of crypto. It's just all flows back down to there has to be some scarce block space in order to sell the scarce, in order to house all the scarce objects that you're trying to sell. Um, so you got to be bullish block space. Um, I mean, app layer type stuff investments, I suppose. I mean, there's some of that. I just it's it's got it's got to be block space and exchange exchange assets can't get to OpenSea, so there's like looks rare but looks rare i don't think has too much nft volume it's such a shame that we can't buy OpenSea. yeah well um whose fault is that i don't know whose fault that is the secs it's gary's fault um what else i mean i was just really impressed with his articulation of what i would call bankless values too and crypto values the freedom to transact that line of conversation mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he put it very well, right? I mean, yeah. this is this is kind of why we're here. Um, what else we talk about? Uh, did you like how he started just asking himself his own questions towards <laughs> the end? There was like a solid like twenty minutes where we didn't have to ask a question because he kept on asking himself his own questions. Yeah, I I I want to go back and listen to that, and I hope that translated well for people. Like, cause hopefully, there were long periods of time where you know, punk. 6529 just went on in his own for it yeah and i mean we could interrupt but he was actually sort of arriving at the point like very methodically very slowly and almost in layers which i actually i think i think that'll help a lot of people in terms of listening because it was one point re-articulated and then unwrapped and like peeled back and then kind of corkscrewed out and kind of again and again and so if, it was, if you're listening to this with only half of your brain, like sometimes like people are in the gym or something or cooking that might be in, they might be in trouble. 
You think so? I actually think I was going to say, I was going to make the opposite point that you almost can listen to this with half of your brain because because, um, some of the sections where you talk about something, he just said the same thing, but in a slightly different way. I think that's right. I think that he made like four or five points throughout the podcast and individually, each one of those points would be easy to not have to pay all the way attention to, but to seamlessly arc between all of them, you kind of need to... Yes, if you zoned out for a little bit and you came back in, you'd be like, oh, where were we again? Yeah, exactly. How does this make sense? Yeah. Um, was good. I, I like him. I, um, yeah. yeah, he, he, I, as I said at that, the exit, he seems kind of like a first principles thinker of a type that reminded me of, you know, the Mark Andreessen's of the world and, uh, the Bologies of the world and some other people like that in crypto. Um, mm. I'm glad he's here. I, uh, Same. yeah, that's it. He, I mean, he's got like this massive library of work, which we weren't even able to unpack. He's got like this open metaverse project. He's got all these NFT mints going on. Uh, I mean, at the rate that, at which the man talks, I think it would take like three or four more podcasts to really unpack all of it. Well, he was, uh, he's just running a lot of experiments, which I, yeah. I, um, yeah. I, I think is great too. And yeah, I have a lot of sure. respect for it. He's been in this space. So what about maybe the last point to, to leave on? What about this idea that he's, not surprised that mainstream has missed NFTs. He's surprised that people in crypto are missing NFTs, like actively missing NFTs. He's surprised that Bitcoin people didn't get Ethereum. He's surprised that some Ethereum people didn't get DeFi. He's surprised that DeFi people aren't understanding NFTs. Yeah, NFTs. Yeah. And I think this is just how the internet works, right? Like not anyone can get all of it, right? Yeah, but how do they miss it when they're here? You're already here, you know? And I guess that's a fractal of the internet because... I remember, um, you know, especially in my early earlier days in crypto, I'm always like, uh, why isn't Silicon Valley here? Like, I never understand why programmers don't like don't, aren't drawn into crypto, or like people who are bullish on the internet, or bullish on like um, I don't know technologies like Wikipedia, and they look at crypto and they're like, but that's not. I, they stop their line of thought on the internet kind of stops before crypto. And that's always perplexed me of why smart, technically savvy people aren't more interested in crypto, but mm-hmm. I guess they choose to get off the, the train before the crypto station, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it breaks people's brains. It's very diverse in subject matter. Like even a lot of the DeFi people were like, NFTs, I don't really get it. And slowly one by one, like each one either capitulated or figured it out or something, but like nothing's intuitive in this space. Do you think that, all right, so I think a lot of people don't get it because they don't try it. So I also didn't get NFTs Mm -hmm. until I did what you just said, which is I found some I liked. I started experimenting with it. I went out there and tried it. No, I mean, the process of buying the turtles was like, it was fun. It was interesting, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I, you don't, you don't understand a thing until you actually try the thing. And I think... Mm. So many people watch the YouTube video uh, bashing NFTs and then never actually go look at, evaluate it for right. themselves and like try right. it. And so they stop right. too early. Yeah. Yeah. And I expect, expect younger kids to like not have the same problem. Not have the same biases. Like, yo, digital objects. Can I, can I have it? Yeah. Can I have it? Well, I can't, I can't wait until crypto um, creates some use case that I'm just like, I, this is stupid. Kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know we've made it. Bridge too far. <laughs> All right, man. Anything else? I think we're good. Guys, thanks for hanging with us. This has been the debrief. Cheers.